2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Last week was a, I don't want to say once in a lifetime, but it's a top tier moment in the life of our church. But it's not more strategic than today. I want to open up the scripture and I trust that God's spirit will reveal to you the truth behind it so that you will never view giving or generosity the same. We've all been marred and scarred by Christian television, whether it's a maneuvering, a manipulation uh, to try to get something from you. That's not what this is. But when you see in God's word, his blessing and his expectation of you, and you decide that you want to be rich towards God, you want to be rich towards the Lord, you not out of constraint or not by somebody saying there's the pressing need, but you being generous. And it flows from an awareness of what God has done and what God expects. What God has done and what God expects. It's probably been 10 years since I taught a series on stewardship. And if the Lord tarries, when I speak, uh, for at least three weeks, I want to talk to you about the stewardship of our life. But 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 through 15, reading out of the ESV. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one, say that with me, each one must give as you decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And that's not speaking about just coming to church and giving. It's about your life. You're either going to spend your life on yourself or invest it in God and other people. God loves a cheerful giver. That implies what does he feel about the one that's stingy or mean-spirited when they give? At least he don't love them so much. And God is able... To make all grace abound towards you. Why? So that you can have all sufficiency. Why? So that you might abound to every good work. God was able to pay off our facility. Why? So that we could have sufficiency. Why? To abound to every good work. Everything that comes your way is to make you sufficient so that you can abound to every good work. We are not going to be known by what we own. We are going to be known by what we do for God and what we give away. You can abound to every good work. As is, is written, he has distributed freely. God has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Well, I thought Christ's righteousness was imparted to me. Yes, but this is the part of your story that you write. How you spend your life your days, your years, your resources. And if you serve the Lord in this way, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is overflowing in thanks to God. See, it's not just what we do. And I want you to know we're not showing off. I'm trying to model this to our kids and in front front of you and then teach you. See, after this then the pastor that gets these filter, filters, he overflows with thanksgiving unto God. So there's praise to God. You see, our visiting missionaries, God, we didn't expect this. They're not going to be enamored with Christ's chapel. They'll be in their car going, Father, you're just so good. It abounds to glory. It abounds to glory. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution. For them and all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for this unspeakable gift. If you've ever been open to a message, this side of the cross, I want you to plow your heart and say, Lord, speak to me. Confirm the things that are good and make me so uncomfortable that I have to change. That I want to change. Because... I don't want to be in hurry, but last week there was a message in tongues 
and I did not ignore, I didn't emphasize because I knew it was connected to this week. Time is short. We have just a little while. Night cometh when no man can work. We're almost done. We're in the last two-minute warning. And what we do, we've got to do wholeheartedly for the Lord. We've got to be all in. And it doesn't mean you go kill all the cows and spend everything you have and then don't have a home. It just means that we're going to be looking for every opportunity to honor God, to see our life as a stewardship. Stewardship. So pray for me as I pray for myself this morning. Father, I just humble myself before you, God, uh, an unworthy, an unprofitable servant at best. But you've allowed me these 60 years and these 36 years to preach your word. And I just pray, oh Lord, that you would take what little efforts I have and the resources and you would bring them to glory, to fruition, and for us individually and collectively. Don't let us see it for the church and not for us as individuals. And don't let us just see it for individuals and not the church. It's both. That we would be a good steward, a high yield for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you for just a few moments on God's provision, God's expectation, and God's accounting. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Why? So that you can have all sufficiency. Why? So that you can abound to every good work. God's provision for you is not for you. It's to keep you going so that there can be a yield in the field of your life. If he did not expect a return on investment, those in business understand, a return on investment. I want your life to bring a yield. If he was not expecting that, he'd just save you, kill you, and bring you to heaven. There's an expectation of God, which we'll get to in just a moment, but there's a provision. Everything that you have came from God. I know you don't think it did, and I know you're a self-made man, and you're self-educated, and Nobody in your family was successful, and you did back up, back up, and start over. The life that your mama conceived in her womb that brought you in was God's gift. Your capacity, your health, your opportunities, the fact that your mind works, the fact that you can walk and process and articulate, the fact that you can understand concepts, everything that has to do with your life was the gift of God to you. There's no room to boast. If you're brilliant, hats off to you. We ain't got nothing in common, but hats off to you. I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm not going to answer for your intellect. I'm not going to answer for your wealth. I'm not going to answer for it. But I have come to the place where I realize that God has been exceedingly, abundantly above all that I could ask or think Everything I have, everything I have is from his hand, from him directly, directly from him. You heard me say it. I'll keep saying it because there's visitors ain't heard me tell it. It's my story. I stop in my driveway all the time and I, I just cry. I put my head on my wheel and I raise my hands and I go, God, look at this. All these blessings. And the Holy Spirit said, and none of them deserved. John, I didn't give this to you because you're good. I gave it to you because I'm good. Now, what are you going to do with this sufficiency? God's provision is abundantly present and promised through Christ. He that spared not his own son, Romans 8, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not now with him freely give us all things? The rain falls on the just and the unjust. But the righteous, you have an open channel through Christ, and you are blessed in way more areas than you ever acknowledge. And I think secretly I know why we don't acknowledge it. Because if we acknowledged all the blessing we had, we know we'd be accountable for them. My greatest fear is the Bema Seat of Christ. Well, Pastor John, you stop, stop. It's not what I've done that worries me. It's the idea that he's going to judge me based on my potential or my capacity. Because when I sing, he's been so good to me, you can't sing my song. 
He has flooded my life with good things. He has sustained, he has protected, he has preserved, he has resurrected, he has restored. Everything you look around in my life was from him. A gift. And it's through Christ, not through merit that that I have. So if I receive salvation through him, then all these other blessings that you recognize and don't. Another thing we're going to be embarrassed of is the blessings that we have that we never recognize came from him. Not just what he gave you, but what he didn't give you. How many of y'all did that 20-year class reunion yet? And you met that girl that you couldn't live without, and you just knew she's the one, and she got a full beard working now. And you're like, oh, thank you, Lord. Or you see Billy Bob, you know, he had all that, he ain't got no hair now. He just got that, he's about nine months ready to crown. And you go, Lord, you kept me. You kept me. What I'm trying to do through fact and humor is get you to see everything through the lens of, if you can touch it, he gave it to you. I told my wife on the front row, I said, thank you for rescuing me. We are building a beautiful thing here. Think I deserve this wonderful woman? She'd tell you, no, he don't. No, no. I think this is why churches stagnate and why Christians stagnate. And I think it's why we're anemic and powerless. Because we, we possess this kind of aura and attitude that we deserve anything. God opposes the proud. He said, I'm against you. What do you mean against you? You'll see. I'm against you. But he gives grace to the humble. God's provision is intentional. It's abundant and it's all grace. It's measured. Well, this one's got more than me. I know because it's measured. You don't give all your kids the same thing. Some of your kids at 15, here's the keys to the car. The other kid gets 15, 16, you go, uh, here's the donkey. <laughs> Sometimes we're not ready for. Sometimes he just chooses. God doesn't do participation trophies and everybody gets the same thing. He measures out. One guy gets one gift, one guy gets five, one gets 50. And before you spend your life envying the guy that has 50, you don't have to answer for his 50. Better be careful. Wanting somebody else's life, you don't know the whole story. He measures out. He doesn't give us what will break us. Years ago, your pastor, we were experiencing a lot of success numerically in the church and everything was working. And among my peers, there just wasn't any recognition really. And I, I'm just telling you this story to bring out more of this point. I'm saying this to free myself because there's no way I'm going to get all this done today. So we're just going to free myself to this. So. And I said, you know, there was a nomination for presbyter. I've never been presbyter. No, I don't need to be. Don't have to be. I don't, you know, I don't like people got to be the corpse at every funeral, bride at every wedding. They just have to be everything. But it did, I did think about it. I said, so here's this guy. He's running about 40 people and he's presbyter. He was elected president. My name was put out for the first time and only time. This guy runs 40 people, so I had 1,200. He had 40, and he gets elected. I said, what meaneth this? <laughs> Maybe you're not as good as you think you are, you know. So then there was another position, an assistant to him. I was nominated, and a youth pastor. No offense to youth pastor, but usually they're not nominated as presbyters. And I'm thinking, surely no, he was elected. And then I'm kind of like a little sheepish, you know, like I wonder what everybody else is thinking about the loser pastor that's not getting elected. And then they both turned to me, and I realized it was a, probably a pride issue. They both turned to me and said, let your name run again. You'll probably win this one. They didn't mean it mean. They just, yeah. And I just like, Okay. And so I ran unopposed and I was the guy that took the minutes at the meeting and I did that for a while. And I just asked the Lord, I wasn't angry, I just waited a couple of days and said, Lord, just show me what's 
What's going on with this? Well, I answered your prayer. I ain't never prayed to be no presser. I never prayed to be no secretary. I sure didn't pray to get beat in all these elections. And I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you how I told him. I said, pray? What do you mean answer prayer? He said, you asked me to keep you. And you don't have the character to be praised. Now, he wasn't beating me up. He said, look at your life, how wonderful it is. I measure out to you what you can sustain. So see, this isn't about us advancing. It's not about us being recognized. It's not about us being appreciated, rewarded, or elevated. It's about God getting the highest yield from us that he can possibly get. Here's my angle going into heaven. I look around this room and I know my pastor friends with all these gifts. I'm looking for the God wrung the most out of that rag. <laughs> Reward like, John, I ain't give you but one or two gifts. That's all right. You rang all that out of me. Yeah, that's what I'm shooting for. All right, we got, we got a lot out of you. What qualified you to be a preacher? He calls the foolish things to confound the wise. He said, I'm looking for a fool. John, come here, boy. I pick him. Straighten your hat up. Pull your britches up. Come on. God's provision is measured. It's monitored. He knows what you need. See, we confuse the want need and we, and we know that. But he said, consider the birds and the lilies. In all of Solomon's kingdom, you won't see anybody dressed like that. Stop letting the world tell you what you need. I'm monitoring your life and you're good. If you have or make $60,000 right at, you are in the top 9% of the wealthiest people in the world. In the world. Well, I ain't making 60. See, that, that shows our attitude right then. If you make 40, you're still in the top 10, 15% of people in the world. Some of us, it's tight. Yeah. But you're only going to answer for the tightness. God's monitoring what we have and what we don't have. Oh, if I had more, I'd give more. I, I would, I'd spend my life for the Lord. I said, well, you know. Uh, brother, would you, if you had a thousand head of cattle, would you give it? Oh, God knows my heart. Yes, I'd give it. Yes, I'd give it. Well, if you had 500 head of cattle, would you give it? Yes, God knows I'd give it. Well, if you had 30 head of cattle, would you give it? Now, you know I got 30 head of cattle. <laughs> God's provision is monitored and it's recorded. You know how you do your QuickBooks and how you do your ledger, how Katrina at the bank, how they monitor everything? Everything he's given you is written down. It's going to make us uncomfortable, but it's going to push some of us into absolute freedom. It's recorded, it's reviewed, and it will be rewarded or judged with what we've done for it. God's provision. Number two, God's expectation. Luke 13 says, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and he looked for fruit and he found none. And then he said to the dresser of the vineyard, for three years I've been seeking fruit on this fig tree and I'm finding none. Listen to what the owner said. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it to the ground? God, don't ever say that about our church. Don't ever say that about me as an individual. Whatever you have to do. Don't cut us down to the ground because of a lack of fruitfulness. Why cumbereth it to the ground? Which means, why do you soak up nutrients, John? That's what it means. Why are you planted soaking up sunshine and water and nutrients when you don't produce? And this ain't about Christ Chapel. This is not about me or the same as God. You don't owe me nothing, but you owe him everything. Why cumber you to the ground? What are you doing with the air and the life? This ought to make, you ought to be having a tearing in your heart this morning. Your flesh ought to be recoiling and your spirit ought to be leaping at the same time. Why cumbereth it to the ground? And the, the man said, Lord, just give me one more year and I'll dig about it and I'll service it and I'll fertilize it. And if it bear fruit, fine. If not, just cut it down. I don't want an individual in this church and I don't want Christ Chapel to get, we get to heaven. See, 
And I am not belittling God's gracious gift. He paid, this building today would cost 15 something million dollars to build. He put that on our lap. But the responsibility of it's now on our head. Okay? When he comes in for the church, what are we going to give him? A building? They don't care about the building. It's if we use the building to win the lost, disciple the found, mend the broken, send the whole. Get to the end of my life, they can close this building up. It can be called something else. I just know that when I stand naked before him, I want there to be fruit from my life and fruit from this church. God's expectation is increased based on who it's been given to. Saul on the Damascus Road, when God rescued him, there was more expectation of him. Now, I'm going to go a little deeper here. Some of us owe him more than other people owe him. Now, we're all justified the same way. We're all redeemed the same way. I owe him more than most of y'all do. I owe him. In a humble way, I was horribly perverse. I wasted a Christian upbringing. Uh, see, I'm amazed at the people that feel they deserve so much because we're all in agreement we deserve hell. And if we deserve hell, how could we deserve more? But I owe him. I am indebted to him. And I know his expectation of me, like Saul on the Damascus Road. Saul was a murderer of the church. And the first words that came out of his mouth when he recognized that it was Jesus, he said, what do you want me to do? I know what salvation is. There's nothing I could do to merit it. It was the free gift of God. It was an exchange, his righteousness for my sin, but post-salvation. What do you want me to do? See, there's nothing you could do to help your salvation. And there's nothing God will do to help your stewardship except provide. It's up to you. You get to write your story. I hope you catch that. The pen is in your hand. I can't write where I live. I can't write what I, you know, my body. Uh, I'd be taller. I'd be darker. I'd be thinner. I just, I can't write that. I can't pick a lot of things, but my yield, I get to write it. You get to write it. And some of us, he has a higher expectation of than others. I can hear it in my ear this morning. After all I've done for you. That's why you ain't going to outpraise me. Every joint in my body hurts when I move my arms and when I jump. Every joint, you ain't going to outpraise me. You ain't going to outthink me. I don't care. You can stand there in God's house and look stoic and frozen and act like, but you, maybe you don't know what He's done for you like what He's done for me. Maybe you don't feel what I feel. Maybe you haven't been where I've been and maybe you don't know what I know. I know he's listening for my praise. I don't care how loud it gets in here. It's going to be loud right there. By the words of my mouth, giving thanks unto God. The fruit of my lips, giving thanks. God's expectation of you is one of increase. Now, when you deal with stewardship and money, we get all bent sideways because we've seen so many per perverse things. Erase everything you've heard about it for just a moment and know this. It's not about you increasing. It's about your life bringing glory to God. He expects a return of investment. So what did he invest in you? The death of his son. The Holy Spirit. Which means that the life that you're living is probably less than the life God wants you to have. The life that you're living is probably smaller than the one, or is probably greater than the one that you're living now. He, when the one talent, and I'll talk about that in weeks to come if Jesus allows, uh, the one became two, and the, the, the two increased, the five became ten. He's wanting to see what we do with what we have creatively, joyfully, willingly. God's expectation is one of 
heartfelt gratitude. Psalms 116.12, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? It's funny, I don't know if I've ever told you this. Maybe I did 20-something years ago in the church. These people, this person that gave the $1.3 million to pay our church off. When I first started pastoring, I I told the Lord, I said, if you'll show me how, I want to one day, and I know this sounds silly to you, I said, I I want to, with my hand, write a check for a million dollars for you. Ain't quite there yet, uh, but in my heart, I was like, why why would you say that? Because I want to... I don't want to just show him with my body. I don't want to just show him with my words. I don't want to show him with my, just my affections. I don't want to just show him with my years. I want to show him that you're more precious to me. What can I render to you for all that you've given me? Well, that person did that last week. So if I can't do that, what is my this What is your this? Paul said, I'm following after him that I might apprehend that for which I've been apprehended of Christ. Like, why did you grab me? Why did you save me? What what are you looking for out of me? I know you want me to be light where I work. I know you want me to be salt. I know you... Oh, Lord, you don't want me to measure out my service to you like I would tip a waiter. You want me to waste my life on you. Y'all finish it. For whosoever will save his life, but whosoever will lose it for my sake shall find it. Don't give the Lord something if it doesn't flow from gratitude. What shall I render to the Lord for all of these benefits? Is one of willful and joyful service. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. It's one of immediate liberality. I think of the Good Samaritan. And we know the story, do good to your neighbor, help who you can. But I love what he said. He he put him upon his donkey. He dressed his wounds. He put him in a hotel. And he told the guy, he said, hey, I have to go do business. I have to keep living. But whatever else it costs you, I'll pay for it. That's our life. Lord, I can only give what I have. But as I go and make more, I'll give again because I want, I'm going to see you through. I'm going to get you healthy. I'm going to get you well. And see, we spend our life and we spend our resources on people that might have wasted theirs. one of faithful consistency. 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Increased capacity. God expects increased capacity and opportunity. Matthew 13, 12. To him that hath more shall be given. Now, very careful. I'm, I'm, I, I, won't, I don't want to skip over, but I, I feel some of these things need to really be unpacked for you. Here's the ba- a lot of the Christian life is balance. And by the way, if you're not in balance, you're out of balance. Okay. I do not give for any other reason than the glory of God. I have to make sure that my motive. Don't this preacher write it. Give me a $1,717 check and God will stop it. Stop it. It's not no... You know, it's like a slot machine. Put in $100 and get 1000 You hit. God's wonderful. Won't he do it? You know, that's stupid stuff like that. I give because of my indebtedness and how good God is to me. All the while, having the knowledge that everything I put in the ground will come back. I got to make sure that I'm not giving for return. But God's a God of honesty, right, and truth. To him that hath, more will be given. And to him that hath not, it'll be taken away. So as I give, I know what you're going to do. I don't know what's the next thing for our church, but 29 years, we've never had a capital fund drive. And 
almost 20 years ago, I was standing in this empty building, and I was looking up there. I said, Father, you giving us this building? Last week, he said, yeah. Yeah. To him that hath more shall be given. And if you don't use what you have, it will be taken away, whether gradually or in a fell swoop, or you'll just get to the end of your life and realize that while you've been climbing the corporate ladder, your ladder has leaned against the wrong building. Don't keep your treasures here. Send them on ahead. Send them on ahead where thieves, nor rust, nor moth, nor decay, nothing can get there. Everything you do for the Lord from a cup of cold water on will receive reward in that day. So I'm not giving for the reward, but you better know I live in the light of knowing it's coming. I believe he expects our giving to be in direct correlation to our receiving. This is a neat thought. I want you to really enter in on this and think about it. Our giving should be in direct correlation to our receiving. We should be just as quick in our giving. Your boss said, hey, I've been finally, I finally noticed you after how long you've been here? 38 years. Well, I've been noticing you. I appreciate you. We're going to double your salary. No, no, you don't need to do that. What are you? About time. Oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. God bless everybody. And you go right to the bank. Cash it quick before those other people cash theirs. How quick were you to receive? Okay. I think we ought to be as quick in our giving, not here, to the Lord as we are in our receiving. I believe our excitement and joy ought to be as strong in our giving as it is in our, oh, y'all see where I'm going. I believe our awareness of God ought to be just as tangible in the giving as receiving. Now, I'm going to tell you a pastor's secret. See, I, I get to represent us. I know they're sitting here and it's not for their hearing, it's for you. So they can plug their ears. You know how much I love doing what we just did for people that we just met? Let me tell you the secret. What is it about that, John? I sense his pleasure. <laughs> I, when, it's like he smiles and he goes, look at him. You know, Christ Chapel, we're middle George's mutt. Ain't no thoroughbred, ain't no, we just a mutt. But mutts make the best what? Yeah, don't they though? But we are supposed to, I, I sense his pleasure, not just in what he provides for me, but in my giving. And our state of blessedness should be just as evident after our giving as it is in our receiving. Now, I'm just going to tell you, just watch. If Jesus tarries, just watch the future. I'm just telling you, I've done this a long time. It wasn't, but a few months ago, there was a need for a, a minister that ministers to the disabled kids and he puts on camps and they need a golf cart. And we didn't have a lot of extra money. As a matter of fact, we had borrowed money against our equity to continue on post-COVID. And uh, I said, just buy it for him. He said, she said, Amy said, no, I meant, could we just give towards us? I said, just buy him one. Just buy, find the top end, okay? The top end, like good, better, best low or middle of the top end based on what we had. And I said, just watch. And God doesn't always do it this way, but I, I know if I plant corn, why are you going to be shocked if corn comes up? Well, looky here. What is this? It's watermelons popping up in the backyard. All we did was threw them out there. Okay, I told, I, I told my staff, I said, just watch. Now, I didn't know it was going to be that week. A lady that had never given anything I don't even know if she still went here. I don't remember. But her husband wouldn't let her give anything to the Lord. And uh, well, anyway, there was, I blend my stories together. Anyway, I can't remember if it was that one. She came and said, I just want to give, gave it to Kelly, fold a check. I just want to give this to the Lord. And I'm just so grateful to do this. I said, well, thank you. Wonderful. It was $10,000. Golf cart was eight. I do math quick. I said, <laughs> Watch. So, no, we didn't get 10. We were able to minister to all these disabled kids through this ministry and got a tip. You see? 
Now, what do you do with that 2,000? Well, you just put that. No, no. That's part of the sufficiency that abounds to the good work. Listen, God's expectation is a sober, perpetual stewardship to see everything as by him, for him, and unto him. And finally, God's accounting. We're going to get done on time. Yay. 2 Corinthians 5. Wherefore we labor that we may be accepted of God. Well, I thought we were accepted of him in Christ. But this is about our works. We want to be approved. We want him to look and go. Like your daddy's proud of you. You wait to hear when you graduate college. You appreciate the height and the tassel. But when mom and dad says, I'm so proud of you. That's the accepted of him. He's talking. I want him to be proud. (laughs) I want him to go. You were good, John. I want to be great. I want to be good. I want to be good and I want to be faithful. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we might receive the things for the things we've done in our body. See, he's paid for my sins. I'm not standing before the judgment seat of Christ, the great white throne, but I'm standing before the bema seat of Christ. I'm not going to give an account for my sins. I'm going to give an account for the things that I did, the things that I gave, the things that I built. Whether your mission field is your home, this city, your work, or overseas in West Africa, you're going to get reward. You're going to be judged for the things done and undone. Whether it be good or bad, small or great, Selfish or selfless, done or undone. If our musician would come, please. God's accounting is specific. My computer keeps good records. And by the way, this has nothing to do with my sermon. I just felt prompted to share this. So I'm just going to throw it out there for those of you that, you know, some of us got all our degrees and we were never uh, trained with financial Uh, with fiscal responsibility, just don't know. Uh, Be careful of debit cards. Just throw that, because you're liable. In the end, you can prove that you did or didn't do something, but in the end, you're liable until they view it your way. If you are able, some of y'all can't have a credit card because you you go right to the brink of hell. You You can't do it. But if you're able... You can use a credit card, and um, you're not responsible uh, if it's stolen or misused. Anyway, just thought I would throw that out there. But my, my credit card, I put 99% of what Kelly and I do on a credit card, and I pay it every two days. And it's amazing. I get a free accountant all year. At the end of the year, I can just push print, and it tells me where everything went, where everything goes. And it's specific. It doesn't lie how much my wife spends. It doesn't lie. Oh, you thought I was going to stand up here and not? Uh, oh, mercy. Her magnetic stripes, she'll be at the store. Just, do it again. Do it again. I said, it's worn out. Wear the thing out. It's supposed to last a lifetime. Perfect record. It said, Kelly, 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 Kelly. And then it says, Paul John. Kelly, 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 Kelly. So we're even. Okay. Uh, Oh, I'm smarter than her. You don't believe it? I can prove it. She married me. Who's smarter? Thank you. Don't mess with me. Did you know that printer won't print anything that's not on that page and everything that's on that page, most everything, we can still be flawed with our computers, but... The accounting is specific. God has specific accounting on your life. Did you know there are people that call this church their home? And they spend more money partying and on toothpaste than they do for God? I don't need your money. I don't want your money. I'm trying to shepherd your soul. You need need to realize that when he prints the receipt, you don't want pornography 
on, on your receipt. You don't want a $250 shirt on your receipt. And I'm getting down to brass. It, it's, not, it's not yours. It's, he wants you to have, and he'll bless you with nice things, but we got we to gotta get free from this. It's just one life. Grab the gusto. No, it's one life. Sow it into God's kingdom. God's accounting is specific. Do you know some of y'all, if, if I were to take the checkbook and do stupid with it, I knew he wasn't no good. String him up, run him out of here because this is God's house and you can't be stealing God's money. The money in the account here is no different than the money in your account. If I'm crooked, get rid of me. What are we going to do with you? You know I love you, right? God's accounting is ever-changing. What do you mean? Because somebody that's wasted their life hears a message and they turn and go, not another day am I living for myself. And the accounting starts to change. Now, I don't want your money. I don't want your money. I'm talking to you about kingdom ideas and kingdom uh, things. As a matter of fact, we're not going to take our offering today. But the first Sunday of every month, the first Sunday of every month, this is going to be just extra. Your pastor, I give 10% of my income. I just give it to God. Right out the gate, before, I, before the government gets theirs, he's more important. But this will be, Lord, because you've abounded so much to me, and I have such sufficiency, based on that sufficiency, I want to abound to every good work. And you be just as proud of your $20 as somebody else with their $20,000 and give. But God's accounting changes when he says, look, this person that was stingy is now generous. This person that was faithless is now faithful. This one is making up for lost time. As you know, it's what Zacchaeus, he said, Lord, and if I've stolen from someone, I'm going to pay him back four times as much. Jesus says, salvation's come to your house. How, how could he say that? Because he gave something away. He said, no, you're seeing things through God's eyes now. That's what he was telling him. God's accounting is current, accurate, final, and without exception. When I close my eyes, I can't add nothing else to the ledger. I pray he's been pleased with my preaching, my pastoral, because in the end, it doesn't matter what you think or what I think or what my wife thinks, but just him. We got just one life. We just got this one life to pour out at his feet. And uh, in this last hour, what if we pulled out of the stock market of this world <laughs> And started being rich towards God. Well, they'll talk about us. They're going, you're foolish, you're stupid. But when we get to heaven, we're going to look mighty smart. God's accounting is close as your next breath. When we get to heaven, he's not going to ask how we obtained salvation, but what we did with it. Would you consider offering the Lord what's in your hand? What's in your heart? what you dream to do for him? What would you offer him if you had it? And from that, look at what you do have and decide. Offer God your very best. As this first Sunday after his thing that he did for us, I just want us to think differently. We've always been givers. But every now and then your car needs a tune-up. After 29 years, we can, we can get a tune-up, right? Yeah, okay. No compulsion. If any part of my teaching or someone else, if you feel like that's man-centered or manipulated, don't you give a dime. That's not how, The Lord says, give willingly. Not out of constraint. No compulsion. You just do. That's why... It's hard for your pastor because of what I've seen and the abuses I've seen. Our plan was to give 
today, but I, I, don't, I just don't want to do that. Next, first Sunday of the month, next month, I want us to be prepared to bring an offering to the Lord. I want us to walk down with our wife and our babies. Kelly and I are giving today. We've already prayed over, and you know, this never happens to us this way, but God gave us the same figure, and I was like, ooh, we're in revival. We're thinking the same thing. So, uh, sorry. Uh, but I want us to come before him next on the next first Sunday if the Lord tarries and have pockets of people. I closed my eyes this week and I thought of Myra and her husband over here and Katrina and others and you know the different people where they sit and stand with their family and say, Lord, with joy we give to this. This isn't to the local church. This is just to you for, for the, the sufficiency offerings. Would you stand with us? Guys, will you cue this one song? And may the Lord seal this work in our heart. And I want you to focus on these lyrics and just echo them in your heart or sing along. And then, Pastor Jason, will you come and pray for us?